In the beginning, there was no form, and it was void. And darkness rested upon my face. And the spirit consciousness rested upon the waters of my mother's womb. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. All encompassing light all around me. And God divided the light from the darkness that I came from. And God said, let the waters be separated from this new piece of earth I have created. And the body from which I came was no longer my body, but now it held my body, fed me, dried me, and rocked me to sleep every night. Then God said, let us make this small, helpless little child that is in our image, let us make him in our likeness. Let us make him aware like we are. Let us give him a self so that he can experience the great mystery of life. And I became conscious. I became an I, a self, self-conscious. Welcome, y'all, to another episode of this thing I call the Howdy Brandon Show. Uh, It's been a while, but uh, this one's been ruminating in me for months now, and I wanted to keep this death life series going because, man, I just feel like, I feel like it's so important. Um, Right now, it's just kind of how I'm experiencing everything, and so I wanted to talk about the self and consciousness and the way that we are even aware and experiencing our lives. Um, This morning, you woke up, I woke up, and we had this same realization that we have every morning. We wake up and we realize, oh yeah, I am, I exist. And we wake up out of the state of unconsciousness or maybe unawareness and we become aware again and you become aware of you this miracle of consciousness has been happening to you every morning since you were just a few months old and realize it and and you realize that you were a separate thing from your mother or your father or the rest of these things that are in the world. And this this separation, this feeling of um, I am a self happens for most of us between um, about six months old to a year old, somewhere in that kind of range. And before that, we experience reality not as um, separate things, but everything is kind of one. Everything is an extension of us and we are a part of everything else. And when we cry, the world rocks us. And when we feel wet, the world dries us or we feel hungry and reality just kind of feeds us. Everything is just one. We are an extension of everything and it is an extension of us. Until it's not. Until we become 
we become conscious that I am an I and you become a you. We become aware of the edges of our skin where we end and mother and father begin. Now, this is miraculous and also traumatic. It's necessary, but it's also depressing. Becoming self-conscious is a beautiful and needed part of growing it up, growing up, but it um, it comes with a deep sense of of separation, you know, from from everything else that we once felt one with. And theologically, this time in our lives is called the fall or original sin. Sin meaning separation, and original referring to that primal, that first profound. Um, that most profound of separations that we feel when we experience everything is not being one. We realize that we are a contained self. And so this is the that original separation that we all go through. And from that moment um, of original separation, we begin to further separate ourselves from, from everything else. We begin to label and categorize our world. We say me and you, son, mother, father, sister, our house, your house, my friends, your friends, our stuff and their stuff, our God, their gods, and on and on, further separating everything that we can. Because with consciousness, with awareness, comes a feeling of loss. When we were first born, we, we slept and woke and experienced reality all as unified oneness. But now we wake up every morning and step back into awareness and the, and the miracle of consciousness, but also into the heaviness that comes with it. The realization that I need food and shelter and money and attention and companionship and sex and purpose and meaning. My self-consciousness naturally leads to a self-centeredness. I need to take care of myself. I need to survive and meet my needs. I need to feel in control, feel like I understand how things work. So I label and categorize and further separate things from myself, from everything else to gain a sense of understanding and control and ultimately to gain a sense of identity. Who am I? What am I? This separation and identity seeking is intensified just by the process of growing up. You know, as as we internalize these category, categories and labels and identities that divide up the world, we feel good about ourselves or not good about ourselves based on how we measure up to these messages that we receive from our parents and classmates or teachers or movies or maybe religions and we fall further into the world of self-consciousness and self-concern and farther and farther away from the magic and the oneness that we felt of the world in our childhood. To survive this 
chaotic world we live in, we grab on to these labels or groups and identities that make us feel safe or in control or help us make sense of this reality that we are now aware of. Until we have created these intricate masterpieces that we call me, my self. When you close your eyes and focus on your breath, relax your muscles, your shoulders, your jaw, the space between your eyebrows, just breathing. You can sometimes step back from the thousands of thoughts that you are having in a day. The many feelings that you experience at any given time. You can watch them as they come and go. The thoughts and feelings that you're so used to being inside of and identifying with. You can start to stand outside of them and observe. Have you, have you ever experienced this before? When you do it, it makes you ask, if I am not my thoughts and feelings, then what am I? Who am I? Many of the perennial, lasting traditions speak of the two selves that we all have. One self is constructed and fragile and passing. The other self is eternal and indestructible and divine. And the work of the first part of our lives is all about constructing this fragile illusion of a self. This identity and personality that helps us survive and relate to the world. And then the work of the second part of our lives is letting it go and becoming conscious of the real me, the other self, the true self, that is and always has been and always will be. Jesus spoke of this in many ways. He talked about old wineskins that will break if they try to hold the new wine, or 
he talked a lot about being born again, or a seed being buried in the ground and dying and then growing into its truest form. Or he would say, if you try to find your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. Our greatest work in this life is coming into the awareness that we are not the false identity that we ourselves have created and cling to with dear life. Our greatest task is to let go of that false self and fall into our true self. And when I say false self, I don't mean your bad self or the part of you that you should hate, because uh, it's actually a good and it's it's a good and necessary self as as far as it goes. But the problem is we often take it too far. The false self or the ego finds itself in in so many things in our job or money reputation, our tribe, our religion, our beliefs, our education, our successes. And those can all be helpful things for us to find our balance in this world, to find our footing. But to not move beyond this ego, this false self, leads to becoming addicted to it. Addicted to my opinions and community accomplishments and goals, or whatever can be used to define myself, which is always used as a means of defining myself against that which I think is not myself, against others. Most all of our worry and anxiety or depression or anger or fear or suffering is a result of living in the false self of over-identifying with it. The very identity that we create in order to navigate this world can become what makes living in this world so miserable if we fail to move beyond it. So what do we do? How do we move from this necessary, helpful, but false self that we each construct, how do we move on from it before it causes unending preoccupation and grasping and misery and suffering? We have to learn how to know and live in the true self where there is real depth and eternal life. What am I underneath my personality, my constructed identity? What am I underneath me? I am aware. I am alive. I am being. I am eternal. I am made of the divine. I am a part of the one that contains all. 
I am. Going searching for the true self is a difficult thing because what we seek is actually the thing that's doing the seeking. And much like looking for our own eyes, the true self is not something that can be found as much as it can be experienced. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. There is nothing to find or attain. There's nowhere else to get to. You're already there and you already have everything. The problem with this good news is we don't want to find out that we are not our false selves. We've spent so much time creating and maintaining and protecting our little identities that it can be hard to imagine that I am not my accomplishments or my successes or my goals or my sexuality or gender or my thoughts or my feelings. And this good news can even seem like bad news. And maybe this is why Jesus said it's so hard for a rich person to step into this true eternal reality. Maybe this is why the poor or outcast or those who are misunderstood are usually much quicker to wake up to this. So what are you holding on to? What do you need to be true of yourself that you can't imagine letting go of? What are you constructing your false self around? In many religions, the way they would pose the question would be, what do you need to die to? The truth that many traditions point to, and what all creation testifies to, is that life comes from death. There is better, more abundant life to be had when you're living in the true self. But first, there must be a death, a death of, of the false self. And, and yes, it's a real death because it means giving up control. And that's, that's all that death really is, right? But we have control over our false selves, over the identities that we construct. And that's why it's so terrifying to think about giving them up and living in a bigger, self that we don't have control over. But something else I should mention is that we don't, the goal here is not to attack and kill our false self. That is still operating in the way of our ego, where there's a winner and a loser. And you can't defeat your mind with your own mind. You know, your mind will always lose in that scenario. Instead, we can only fall into the infinite depths of the true self that is always present. When we let go of control, which is dying to the false self, we can live in this abundance of spirit, of love, and grace. 
then the false self can just slowly fade away. I was recently reading about people's experiences on psychedelic drugs and they were describing um, as best as they could put into words what happened when they went on a psychedelic trip that basically shut down the part of their brain that narrates their life to them, that tells them who they are, what their identity is, um, the part of the brain where the ego lives. And they would describe um, their trip and they would uh, talk about having outer body experiences where they could actually look back at themselves and watch their ego and their self melt away. And they said they no longer felt um, that they were an I, that they were a self. And they would feel things like being at one with all of creation, with everything. They would even say things like, death has lost its sting. Um, and many terminally, terminally ill cancer patients uh, would no longer have a fear of death after going on one of these drug trips. It's, it's interesting how our consciousness, our awareness, is a, a terribly beautiful Thing. It's the greatest miracle and mystery in science. It's the thing that allows us to experience our lives from our own individual perspectives. And it's also what can get in the way of us experiencing the fullness that life has to offer. It's both the obstacle and the way. All of the uh, lasting perennial traditions talk to, they speak of this death-life pattern. In Judaism, it's often called the way. Um, one of the meanings of the word Islam is surrender, to let go, to give up. At the heart of the Buddhist tradition is the idea of letting go the same path of dying to an old way of being and then being born again. In the Tao Te Ching, uh, it says, if you want to become full, let yourself become empty. But if you want to be reborn, let yourself die. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you must first lose it. My prayer today is that you and I would loosen our grips even just a little on our little identities that we've made, that we trust in, that we, that we cling to, that we think that we are, and that we would trust fall into the abundant grace in life that is waiting for us.